A lot of you have been asking me for insomnia treatment options, so I want to let you know I have launched an insomnia treatment course. It's a very structured and effective treatment program with a lot of clinical evidence support. So one course is in Chinese and one is in English. You can find it at deepintosleep.co/insomnia. Hi, welcome to Deep Into Sleep. This is Ishan. So recently, one of my patients asked me, her three-year-old child just cannot go to sleep by herself. She always have more requests to ask. She always asks the parents, "Oh, my hand hurts. Can you massage me? Oh, I don't want to go to bed. Can you sing a song for me? One more story. One more song. One more massage. One more pat on my back." So my patient got so exhausted, and she asked me what to do. I gave her one suggestion, which worked magically for her, and she was so surprised and came back to tell me that her child was able to stay on bed, try to fall asleep by herself without nagging the parents so much anymore. And my patient finally got the night back. To spend some time by herself, relaxing, or spend some fun time with her husband. So, what did I tell my patient exactly? I actually followed the suggestion of Dr. Schneeberg, who is our guest today. Dr. Schneeberg is a child sleep specialist working in the Yale School of Medicine and the Connecticut Children's Medical Center. She is also the author of a book. Become your child's sleep coach, which really help a lot of parents to learn how to coach their children to sleep better at night. Let's hear what she gonna share with us about the suggestions and the tips that parents can learn. And I will review the answer at the end of this episode and share with you what I told my patient that worked for her so well. Hi, Dr. Schneeberg. Welcome to Deep Into Sleep. Hi, it's so nice to be here. As a sleep specialist, especially a child sleep psychologist, what's your day-to-day work look like? So I'm a clinical psychologist, and I work in two places. I work at Yale University, where I treat adults who have insomnia, and then I work at Connecticut Children's Medical Center, where I work with families whose children are. Really not sleeping very well.、Mm. So I'm curious: is there any、uh, difference between the sleep problem among children versus among adults? Yes, that's a fantastic question. So adults with insomnia usually have developed some habits over time that aren't serving them very well, and. Cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia is this wonderful treatment, of course, because it helps the person analyze the behaviors that they have that are probably contributing to their poor sleep. Whereas, on the other hand, for children, usually what happens to cause children to be poor sleepers is actually their parents do a couple of things at bedtime that seem like the right thing to do, but often they end up causing sleep problems. And I can give you two examples. The first thing parents sometimes do, parents of course never mean to do that, but what they might get in the habit of doing 
would be to lie with the child in their room until the child is completely asleep. And sometimes they provide even more than just their presence. They might rub the child's back or talk to them for long periods or sing them a song. And the child learns to need the presence of a parent in order to fall asleep. And whatever you need at bedtime to fall asleep, you need during the night when you wake up, as all children do, as all people do, a few times a night. And so the child then has to call the parent back or come and find the parent. And that can cause a lot of disruption for the parent and the child. Mm. Because I always know if a child does not sleep well, its whole family suffer, right? Oh, you're so right. <laughs> yeah, but now so some... Right. Sounds like parents actually play a really important role in this uh, sleep problems among their children. They do. They never mean to, of course, but uh, it's very sort of cozy to stay with your child, you know, around bedtime. But it's important to have a routine with a really clear endpoint, you know, to have that really cozy, comfortable connection with your children around bedtime. But then to have a routine that has an endpoint. And then to have the parent leave the child's room before the child is completely asleep so that that last little part of self-soothing to sleep happens under the child's control. So we want to teach the children to learn how to soothe themselves without parents. Yes, exactly. And if they can do that, then they can get back to sleep during the night without needing a parent to help. Hmm. I would imagine that's really hard to do, though. The children would uh, maybe yell, cry, <laughs> don't want to do it. <laughs> yeah. Yes, <laughs> you're, you're very right. And the reason that I wrote my book, my book is for child, parents of children ages 3 to 10. And the reason I wrote a book for that age group is that there are actually a lot of books for parents of babies and toddlers to help them learn to sleep well. But there's not very much help out there for parents of children who are a little bit older who can walk and talk. And that can make this problem so much harder, right? For the, all the reasons that you said, the child can really respond or protest um, the parent's sort of goal of teaching the child to self-soothe. So what I do in my book is I walk you step by step how to do that really gradually and gently so that nobody has a really difficult time with learning that skill. That's awesome. So what what make you want to write a book for this age? You're right. I haven't seen many books on the market really targeting this very difficult, challenging age um, population. Yeah. Well, First of all, I realized that there was that hole, you know, in, in, the, in the bookshelf with um, books for kids this age. But secondly, I realized that it's much harder to do it at this older age for the reasons we've talked about. And the third reason is that parents are sometimes embarrassed that their children are still poor sleepers in preschool or elementary school. And they feel like they're the only ones. And they certainly are not. And I just heard that over and over again in the sleep clinic where I work. Parents would say, I thought it was too late to help them become a better sleeper or all the other. I was afraid that all the other kids were, you know, their friends were sleeping fine. And there's just sort of a little bit of a secretive nature about poor sleep in older kids. And the parents really need that support and help. 
So I was excited to write a book for that age group. Well, that's awesome. Actually,、uh, even though I don't have children myself, but I sometimes have the bias think, well, this age group, right? These children, this age, they possibly sleep mostly okay. So you are seeing actually it's not. It's very common to have sleep problems around this age. Yeah, matter of fact, there's an interesting study that says that. Eighty percent of preschooler parents would change something about their child's sleep. Wow, eighty percent. Yeah, eighty eight zero. That's a lot. That is a lot. So maybe they would rather the child, you know, not wake up so early, or maybe they would rather the child fall asleep more quickly, or maybe they would rather the child not call them back, you know, twenty times for twenty、yeah. more things after lights out. So they would. They all of them seem to share the wish that their children were a little bit better sleepers. Wow! Yes, I did not realize how big the numbers are. And、uh, um, have you noticed when parents know that they they actually are not alone? It really helped them to handle、yeah. some of the stress. So much so, it's you know, it just helps them feel more normal. And and they should feel normal because it's a a really widespread issue. Yeah. What are some strategies normally you noticed can really help parents if their children、yeah. this age、um, struggle so much? Yes. So here's a few. One of them is to have a routine that's the same every night. And in my book, I just. Suggested one, and I call it the five B bedtime routine, so that it would be easier to remember. And the five Bs are bedtime bite, you know, like a little snack, bath if it's a bath night, brush teeth, bathroom trip, and then books. And I love it if parents read, you know, a couple of books with their kids every night. So I think job one to have a good sleeper is to have a routine that stays the same every night. And as a psychologist, you know that that can begin to sort of cue sleepiness or drowsiness. Yes, that's important. The second thing is to start it about the same time every night if you can, because that can be part of the struggle. You know, kids love to stall、um, and push off bedtime. So if you just decide, you know what, we start our bedtime routine at seven o'clock. That's when we do it. We do it every night. That's one less thing to sort of have a power struggle over.、Mm. Um, And then the third thing is to have a really clear endpoint to the routine because sometimes that's part of the issue. Parents and children don't always have a real sense of when the bedtime routine is over, so the child will ask for one more book or another cup of water or、um, a, a monster check. You know, could you look under my bed? I think I heard something. And the bedtime routine just sort sort of gets really long. I see a lot of parents who say that it takes them, you know. An hour and a half or two to get their children to actually fall asleep. Wow, that's that's a lot of time. Long time.、Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I like how you make that very easy to remember the five B and the routine.、Yeah. And sounds like parents really need to have a say. Parents need to take the control over the rules for for、They、sleep.、Mm. They really do because kids love to keep the party going, so to speak. You know, they would love to have more time with you, and they would love to have you know seven books instead of two, and that's all great. 
But what can happen is if a child gets overtired, it's even harder for them to fall asleep. They tend to get more tense. Kids tend to get more hyperactive if they're sleepy. You know, adults get more fatigued and sort of slow down, but kids who are overtired get actually more active. Oh, wow. That's interesting. So once they get this hyper uh, active state, if they're overly tired, then it possibly takes longer, even longer for, for them to calm down to be able to fall asleep. Yeah, it can. And that's why it's important to start the routine at the same time and then just keep moving through the steps in the, in the routine so that you finish up at about the same time. Mm. And then I think I mentioned in an earlier question, there are a couple of things parents do to make their children um, worse sleepers. And the second thing that I didn't mention earlier was that parents tend to do this thing where they answer lots of requests after lights out. So the child will say, could I have more water? Could you look under my bed? Could I have another back rub? Could you tell me one more story? I forgot to go give daddy a hug you know, and they'll stretch it out. And parents think, oh, gosh, if I answer all of these requests, my child will finally fall asleep. But as a psychologist, you know, that what the parents actually doing, again, accidentally, is rewarding wake behaviors, instead of sleep behaviors. So I have a little trick in my book called bedtime tickets, which means that you would give your child at the end of the reading time, two little tickets, and they could use those tickets for any other requests that they wanted to. But, of course, they only have two tickets. They don't have 20 tickets. <laughs> so that helps the parent and the child see that the routine is winding up. And it gives the parent an easy way to say, no, we already, you know, you already spent your two tickets. And now I need you to know that it's bedtime and I'm going to leave. Hmm. Yeah, first talking about your book, I really like how you have this um, questionnaires, forms and summary steps um, about how to use these strategies in details, what to say, what to do. I think that's awesome for parents to, to have and to really be able to use immediately. And also, I think it's quite a struggle, as you mentioned, how to stop like at the end of the the routine right how how the parents yeah. can just leave the room while the kids still requesting all these things yes and so sometimes if the parents been staying with the child until they're completely asleep i'll work the parent out of their in steps right i'll sort of taper the presence of the parent in in baby steps really right mm -hmm. so I might have the parents stay in the room, but sit in the chair instead of being in the bed. And then the chair might move towards the door every few nights. And then it might be in the door and then the chair might be in the hall. So I'm not going to just take the parent away completely if the child is not used to that at all. Sometimes these kids are, you know, five or six years old and their parent has been in their bedroom when they fall asleep for years. So it's important to do it in just gradual steps. But kind of making your way bit by bit until you can leave entirely when your child is oh, ready like to fall it. asleep. Yeah, I really yeah. like it. So it's not like, well, very harsh way. It's the time you, yes. your ticket's gone and bye, you're in the room on your own. And sounds like it's really tailored to each kid's, their unique needs. 
Yes, depending on what they're used to, right? And then I do add one more thing, which is a way for the child to self-comfort. And for children that age in my book, you know, three to 10, I ask the parent to get a little reading light and a book or a drawing pad or a picture book or a coloring book or whatever might be age appropriate. And the child can use that until they're drowsy enough to fall asleep, but without any more interactions with the parent. Yeah, so the kids can can play and relax on their own. Yes, just the way we do, really, right? We get in bed sometimes a little bit before we're actually going to fall asleep, and we do a few things to relax until we're drowsy enough to go to sleep. And kids can learn how to do the same thing, and、um, that's really part of the whole self soothing goal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly.、Uh, sounds like when you say that, that totally makes sense. As adults, we all develop our own way, our own routine,、uh, how to relax,、uh, how to wind down before bedtime. For children, they may just need a little bit more guidance, a little bit more assistance to develop those kind of routine or skills to really be able to、uh, wind down、exactly. their own mind.、Mm. Exactly. That's exactly right, and they absolutely can develop them. It it takes them a little time to get good at it, just the way it takes time to get good at anything. So I usually say to the parents, you know, while we're making these changes, your child may actually stay awake longer than you would like, but that's because I'm moving you out of there step by step, and that's a change for them. But over time, they'll learn to fall asleep really quickly, just on their own without anyone in the room. Wow.、Uh, that. That sounds lovely. <laughs> parents <Yeah. would> love that. <laughs> yeah, parents do like that. They like to have their own time in the evening. Parents do, of course, and they they need it. They need it as a couple,、uh, you know, as as an individual. Just they need their own wind down time. What great suggestions! So, parents, you can definitely coach your children with the right methods and get your nightlife back. And this is the first part of my conversation with Dr. Schneeberg. I love her suggestions, and I love her book absolutely. And so, come back to the original question about my patient. What I told my patient? Very simple, actually. I encouraged her to move from her three-year-old daughter's bed to a chair near the bed. Encourage her daughter to learn how to sleep on her own, and set boundaries about all the requests her daughter has. This simple strategy worked for her. Now she has moved her chair out of the room already, and she does not have to be there for long, and her daughter can sleep fine. And she is so happy to get her night back. So if you are a struggling parent. Hopefully, today's strategies and some knowledge from Dr. Schneeberg's book can really help you out. You can find more information about the book and about Dr. Schneeberg on our website, deepintosleep.co/episode/018. You can also find out more information about CBT for insomnia on my website. Especially for treating insomnia among adults. So, in next week's episode, 
we will talk more about how to tackle some barriers and roadblocks when we try to deliver such helpful strategies in the process of coaching our children. Please feel free to subscribe our newsletters on our website to get the most updated information and slip tips. Thank you for a great journey together today. I will see you next week. Sleep is an individual thing. We all sleep differently, and there is so much we can do to improve sleep quality. Keep hope and carry on. This podcast is for general informational purpose only and does not include the practice of medicine or other health professional services. Usage of the information we share is at the listener's own risk, and our content does not intend to be a substitute for any medical and professional services, diagnoses, and treatment. Please seek professional health services as needed. Are you suffering from insomnia? I promise you, the CBTI method in my course will definitely help you. Even if several nights of better sleep, that would be a world-changing experience for you. I have had so many success from my insomnia patients who have taken this course over the years. If you know someone who are struggling with sleep, go to my website and check out my course at deepintosleep.co. Or slash insomnia.